This audio postcard is part of the Sea Change cultural event for the Royal Docks and has been created to accompany you while you walk between Royal Victoria Dock City Hall and the Thames Barrier Park. The walk between the two sites will take around 12 minutes, which is the length of this audio, and I invite you to take in the dockside landscape as you walk and listen. Ever seen the wild goose? Sailing on the ocean And only boys are and so raised Just like them pretty girls when they get the notion And only boys are and so raised And all and so interesting place an area that's always been changing I think that's what's so fascinating about the area around the docks is thinking about responding to new demands of commerce and capital and the people that are required to supply that so that leads to kind of big interesting stories about you know who are the players in this from the East India Company in the past to say some of the big corporations who own this space today thinking about the regeneration of the Docklands of Canary Wharf in the 80s and kind of some of the narratives that get built around that but at the same time you also have all the people who are involved in this so thinking back to the Victorian period where you've got the factories that are being established here the laborers that are being brought in to supply factories trade stores who are working on the ships themselves and then the kind of ecosystem that develops in response to that London's a port city. The British Empire and its expansion via particularly the East India Company has meant that there have been sailors of many nationalities and heritage living in London. I think at one point, the East India Company British merchant ships, 60% of their sailors were Indian, 20% were from Malaya, and 10% were from China. One of the first Bengalis that came to the UK were Bengali seamen, known as Lashkars, who worked on those British East India Company ships, later on British merchant ships that were bringing goods from Bengal to the UK. I think probably from 1930s onwards, there were a small number of Bengali seamen settlement in and around the docks of East London. My name is Ansar Ahmedullah, I'm part of the Shadinata Trust, a small Bengali uh, community heritage group based in the East End of London. We have been documenting the so, lives and stories of the UK British Bengali community. I'm Anna Maguire and I'm a lecturer in public history at UCL. I'm a historian of empire, war and migration, mostly focused on the 20th century and Britain, and I'm also a historian of London. My name is Lila Sumpton. I'm a freelance poet and also a member of the London Sea Shanty Collective. So that has led me to explore the world of both poetry, sea shanties and the history of colonialism. And I mean, the history of empire is a history of a vast and almost unfathomable exploitation. And you can really see that in the fact that the Alaskars were paid around a sixth of what European sailors were being paid. The seamen who were working on the ship, they came on a one-way contract. 
So once the ship docked here in the UK, they had to wait for a returning ship back to India and get a job. Until then, they were more or less left to their own devices. Some of them decided not to go back, known as jumping ships. And from what we know, some of them did marry local white women and some went back. Obviously, we don't have any memoirs or diary of the seamen themselves. They're mostly written by, you know, British officers who were their superiors. From what we know, most Bengali seamen worked down below in the engine rooms, fueling coal or later on oiling the machines. Sailors would arrive with terrible injuries from beatings. There were reports of torture on ships. The reports of sailors throwing themselves into the Thames to escape the torture that was happening on some of these ships. I have read stories of seamen just waiting, hanging around. Sometime it got so worse that uh, they ended up begging. There are stories of them dying in the streets of London during the uh, cold weather. There was a big problem in terms of who was responsible for the Lascars. There were some sort of philanthropic organisations who tried to organise for homes to be set up, like boarding houses. These were often with appalling conditions. There were huge numbers of sailors who were dying, who were ill. They weren't allowed into the hospitals. The East India Company was approached to do something about this um, because the ships weren't taking any responsibility. It sounded like various parts of London didn't want these sailors near them, so there was this attitude of, we don't want these foreigners anywhere near us. And because they were housed in such appalling conditions, it was assumed that this is how they lived and how they wanted to live, not that they had been forced into these really terrible conditions. We know we've got homes for sailors that kind of pop up around the ports and become these sort of hubs for sociability for these men who've travelled halfway across the world and are trying to find places where they can forge community and, and really build those relationships and sustain themselves. The uh, British Empire would be bringing in goods from around the world and the docks would have been a thriving place, many languages spoken. So you had a huge number of ships going from England, returning with woven fabrics from India. That was a huge accelerator for the East India Company. But when cotton was grown in the colder climates of Southern America and that enslaved African labor meant that cotton was being produced at a fraction of the cost. It meant that they could take that cotton and work with it in a mechanized format. And that was when you had the cotton mills being created, particularly in the northern towns of the UK. And that entirely switched the fabric market around and completely decimated the fabric trade in India to the point where woven fabrics from the UK were being bought into India. Jamdani weavers. If I sing to you of Jamdani, of running water and evening dew, of muslin so fine it is breath on skin, caressing each curve in light. When Jamdani purred their fingers, they tasted hunger for sunlit water, for gowns that made their bearers float, for meadow mist that clung, and knew that ten East India men simply would not do. 
All else is coarse when it sings on limb. So it fell to that honourable crew of purveyors to sequester 48,000 Bengali weavers for their use alone. For the soirees demanded more, and the winter season at Bath had debutantes waiting to launch, whose dowries were jackets soldiers wed, and build the fleet needed for Jumdani waltzes and quadrilles at the London summer balls. And if you have sugar in your tea, and gold on your fingers, and muslin on your skin, you, my dear, can go. Poetry versus Colonialism was co-founded by myself and two of my fellow Sea Shanty Collective members, Victor Riker and Dr. Penwood. Without unravelling the history of colonialism, you can't understand present-day inequality at all. This has always been a space for migration. Right back hundreds of years, docks and ports are often the places where people are mixing and mingling in a way that the rest of the area hasn't experienced yet. And certainly that's true of of this part of London. So thinking about the sailors who are are coming over, who are working on ships and, and then meeting up with women who they fall in love with and end up settling in this area. So there's some real kind of long entwined stories about this older community around this part of London community is here, it's happening, it just maybe isn't seen in in the places that people expect it to be. It's not immediately visible in this area, but I think you create other ways of working around that. What does it mean to not just imagine this area, but to live in this area, and to think about some of those resources that might have been lost. I live near the docks, so the rich history of the place and the culture that we share, there are a lot, many people from all over the place. It's quite calm, the view is lovely, we have the Thames Barrier Park. I live in the World Dock, it's an apartment, high rise apartment, which is quite a good community. I live on uh, dock side, when ship is going, you know, all the ship, ferry, everything. When the bridge wants to divide, maybe big ship is coming. When you are walking, you have to stand, you have to wait. In your Royal Wharf, everybody knows who's living next to each other and everybody has this beautiful sense of community, of sharing. And that's because maybe they're coming from different backgrounds and because they've brought with them those beautiful cultural values. So much uh, that uh, I have to learn about this area. And, but overall, it's uh, really nice when I see my boss uh, Every morning, uh, yelling at the birds, and it's just crazy about it. So I think I've chosen the right place to just stay. There's a lot of community coming around now, and we will definitely need another school nearby. We need even another community centre, because it's not enough. We have summer sport, water activities. It will be from June end, I think. So I generally cycle in the docks, so that's again a great part, yeah. After I came here, I learned a lot of the culture here, also the different cultures from different people. And at the heart of it is the docks, right, is this body of water and thinking about what that still represents today as a kind of a portal in and out of the city. A space of leisure especially, a moment of calm for a lot of people is coming down and looking at this body of water. When I come to this part of London I'm always so reminded of 
the many purposes the docks have served over this really long period of time, that that water is still in many ways the same, but it's just meant quite different things to different people. This audio postcard was produced by Lucia Scadzocchio from Social Broadcasts as part of Sea Change, commissioned by the Royal Docks team in collaboration with University College London and curated by Invisible Dust. Featuring the voices of Lila Sumpton and Sir Amadula from the Shadinata Trust, Dr Anna Maguire and members of the Royal Wharf Community Dock ESOL Learning Group. The poem, Jimdani Weavers, is by Leila Sumpton, co-founder of Poetry vs. Colonialism. Wild Goose is sung by the London Sea Shanty Collective.